As someone with young kids and as someone who travels all the time, I'm constantly exposed to germs. Are you exposed to germs? Constantly. I might travel more than you. You actually might. Which is crazy. I feel like you're pretty much a to, bi-coastal to, person. To less fun places than you get to be. I was fun. <laughs> Iowa is fun. So anyways, we're always at risk for a cold. Definitely trust Zycam to knock out a cold at the first sign of a cold. Not when do you generally, at what point do you generally start taking medicine? If I cough once, I'm on Zycam. Other cold medicines only mask symptoms, but Zycam is homeopathic and clinically proven to shorten colds when taken at the first sign. You can find Zycam cold remedy products from Rapid Melts to Elderberry Medicated Fruit Drops at all major retailers including Walmart. By the way, I love the elderberry medicated fruit drops. I've never had them, but I'm going you to haven't? now after this, 100%. It sounds amazing. Yeah, elderberry is a, it's a good flavor. Yes. I really enjoy it. Zycam cold remedy products are safe and effective. Visit Zycam.com slash Redick, that's Z-I-C-A-M.com slash R-E-D-I-C-K to receive a $2 coupon on your next Zycam purchase. Knock it out. Knock it out. episode of the JJ Reddick podcast for Tommy Alter. We are here in San Francisco, California. Uh, we're, it's right after All-Star break. The Pelicans played in Portland last night. We're Tommy, in the, we're Tommy, in the Bay. <laughs> we're in the Bay. We're in the Bay, baby. What did you do over All-Star break? Did you, you were in Chicago. I went to Chicago. I was in, uh, I was in Chicago. It was about four degrees. I got in Thursday night. Um... I had to work. I did uh, one of the shows I work on. The shop was taping Saturday, so I had to be there. I had to be there for Saturday. I got in Thursday night, uh, about I don't know six seven o'clock, coming from L.A. So coming from sixty five okay. degrees and balmy, yeah. get off the plane, um, and I realized I didn't have a face mask, uh, and I needed one for how cold it was. But the city was great. It was I would say? I mean, I'm curious what you thought about the whole change in process in terms of. Uh, the game itself because everybody seemed to love it. I'm, I'm going to be completely honest with you. <laughs> I, I was at the French laundry when the all-star game was going on. A lot of people are curious about the French laundry experience. I should also, I should have mentioned we're going to be joined by my teammate, Drew holiday here in a little bit. Um, but first the French laundry, what, what do you want to know about it? Everything, everything. <laughs> first of all, I, my first question is what is when you're walking into the restaurant, mm-hmm. what's it like? Well, it's a it's a, like a old stone building uh, in the middle of Yountville, which is in the Napa Valley. Um, it's a it was a very tiny building, and they've obviously renovated and added on. Um, so you walk into the the main building, and they've redone the kitchen since the last time I was there. So I've, I've probably eaten there five or six times now, and um, so we got a tour of the kitchen, and then they took us through the wine cellar on the way to this private room called the boardroom. And, mm. and, and, and here's the thing, here's the thing. They, they walked me through the wine cellar at the French laundry. It's like, it's like walking a sneakerhead 
through like the greatest shoe closet in the world. The Michael Jordan's closet. And as you get to the end, they're like, by the way, later on, we're going to give you a menu and you can pick out the shoes you, I mean, it was just, I got to sample the goods right then and there. That's crazy. It was how amazing. Many, how, how big is the restaurant itself? Like how many people do you think were in there? Uh, so it's two, the, the, the building is two stories. It was an old, like literally an old laundromat, I think. But it's, I would say on a, on a on a nightly basis in there, there's probably like 25 or 30 tables tops and they're like small tables. It's, it's a very intimate thing. And then the boardroom had a, like a circular table and there were eight of us there. How, uh, how long is the total meal? I, so they, I, they condensed the meal a little bit. We took our time. I, I would say it was a little over two hours, but I mean, I've been there before where it's like a three and a half hour marathon. I had a co- I had an experience all-star break 2015 at 11 Madison park that was like four and a half hours. Yeah. What's too long? <laughs> what do you think is it? What, like what, at what point are you like, I need to leave? Well, what's like a normal night out? It's an hour and a half. Normal. I think you like take a, normal, a nice leisurely pace. A normal dinner with a leisurely pace is anywhere between ninety minutes to two hours. Okay, two hours is like a. So I think after again. two and a half hours, you're you're you're, you're, you're good. Yeah. But the so, I, we we did the supplements. It was a very when in Rome moment. Yep. And they had um they had black truffles, and they had a wagyu beef. So we we did the supplements. The whole experience is great. The service, the food, obviously, is sensational. Did anyone, is anyone else in the group uh, that you went with, had they ever been before? A few people had actually. Yeah, I think um, the the five of the eight people had been. Chelsea and Kylie had been a bunch. Uh, The other couple had been a couple times, and then uh, my brother in law, and then the, the 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 last couple. Where does it rank on the list? So here's my thing for, for let's say in the United States. For the for tasting menu places, i.e., Eleven Madison Park, uh, French Laundry, Alinea, where we just dined. Yes, um, French Laundry has always been the most consistently great experience. So I I kind of have a and it was the first place that it was my aha moment with food back in 2010. I ate there. Was it, was it the uh, right first, after I got married. Was it the first one of those you'd been to? And it was the first one. So I have I had this very soft spot in my heart. First. Yeah, exactly. That's it. What what uh you, have you have you eaten there? French laundry? No. Okay. Never. Never. So for those that don't know, French laundry is like the sort of the OG like t- French tasting menu in the US that like sort of revitalized American fine dining, I would say, in the early 2000. Like, I think they started in 99. It was 2002. It was the number one restaurant in the world, like multiple years in a row. Yeah. I Thomas gonna, Keller. I was um, going to ask where it is in the list now because I've just- I just, think they retired it. The new list, the new list, They they. I think they started this this year. If you've been number one, you can't you're keep, in you the can't Hall of Fame. Fans. Yeah, you're out. Yeah. That's so interesting. How different was the menu from the first time to now? Oh, incredibly different. And it was, it was a, a, like a shorter menu. Because it used to get the menu. Any, is there any like staple? Is there anything that's always there? There's like a... Uh, because like at Alinea, the dessert yeah. is this um, cotton candy sort of... It's almost impossible to describe. You can Google it. There's like photos of it online. But like that's the one thing that they it's always It's a piece have. of art that yeah. they... They, they throw on eat. the table and they basically throw, and then they're, they throw it on the table. <laughs> they draw this painting yeah. on the table and then like, this is dessert. But that's the one constant. Yeah. So the rest of the menu is constantly changing, but they always have that dessert. <laughs> There's always a cone filled with something, i.e. smoked salmon with creme fraiche or a, like a, a beet puree, uh, whatever's in season, right? There's always a cone, little tiny like amuse-bouche, if you will. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
I hate my French, by the way. And That's then, uh, and then uh, there's always the the oysters and pearls, which is like a poached oyster with caviar in like a I don't know the the French word, but it's like a like sort of like a cream custardy sauce. Do you know this is you might not know the answer to this question? Do you know if there's anyone else in the league that's been to French Laundry? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I took, the, I, I, took I took Spencer Haas there. Oh, he's not in the league anymore. But, but I yeah. took. Because I think there's guys. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm sure LeBron like has been. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because if you guess if you spend time up there, I think you, Josh Hart. Maybe I bet Jimmy Butler's been. Yeah, I, any of the wine guys. I bet just because if you're just a wine person in general, it's yeah. A, did you feel like relaxed after the break? I felt super relaxed. Actually, we so we went to, we stayed at this house in Sonoma. Uh, with just insane views, and we we had some good wine. We actually took it like Friday. We did a couple tastings and probably got out of hand at about four p.m. But other than that, like it about, was a very re- the right time. No, but it was like a, yeah, it was like a very relaxed Saturday and Sunday. We just kind of chilled and like yeah. you know we knew at you know we wanted to sort of be at our best on Sunday night at French Laundry. Yeah, and so we kind of paced ourselves really well. And I I it was one of the best. It was one of the best trips I've done in the U.S., for sure. That's amazing. I have to say, you know, this is going to sound kind of crazy, but you, and you should speak to this, obviously, because you've been through it. I feel a little bad for the guys that have to do All-Star Weekend mm. because it's not fun for them. I mean, you are, the games and the events and everything like that aside, which you're clearly working, and not only are you working, you're doing it on the highest stage with like actually a huge amount of pressure, like doing something like the dunk contest or the three-point contest, but the whole weekend is just it's appearances and it's this and it's that and you're getting dragged from like from uh every every 10 seconds and that's not even mentioning the fact and this is a nice thing but hundreds of thousands of fans come to the city for this and right. so they're looking for you and so you, you can't really go anywhere you can't really yeah. go anywhere and so it's a the idea that you can just get away from all of that for 5 days and basically be like I don't even want to think about anything that I had to deal with before or I know I'm going to have to deal with in a week is kind of a nice thing. That was my bit. I did the three point contest twice, uh, the year it was in New York. And then the year that it was in Toronto, which is the, 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 the number one coldest all-star weekend ever. I think this weekend was number two, but, in Toronto. yeah. Uh, but the big takeaway was just how exhausting it was. I wasn't even an all-star. I, I was just shooting a basketball for 60 seconds. And yeah. it, it was like your entire day is you're just in a car going somewhere, another appearance, a media thing. And it's, it was totally exhausting. And and I'll be honest, like I got asked, you know, if I was interested in doing the three-point contest this year, I politely passed as I've done. <laughs> politely quickly passed. <laughs> as I've done a couple times since the last time I've done it, I did it. Uh, but I, you know, I kind of said in 2016, I was like, look, I'm, I'm never going to do this again. Like yeah. I had two chances. I, I set the record for long twos in a three-point contest in 2015. I made four long twos with my toe on the line. And, and then 16, you know, I had a chance to get to the second round and I didn't. And and I, I'll, I'll move on. Did you see any of the highlights of the dunk contest? Yes, I did. And I, Aaron Gordon should have definitely won. I don't know if definitely. It was a pretty insane. But I don't know. I don't, forth. I just saw the highlights out of sequence. Derek Jones Jr. is on another planet. Yeah, They both a, are. I mean, they both are, but like. I can't believe how powerful and clean these guys are dunking yeah i i, I rewatched um dominique and jordan go at it in the 88 dunk contest which yeah. was in chicago those dunks are just like they're like fours now no it's wild how they're creative nothing. these guys are now. i felt bad actually for the judges 
they, I don't think they knew what they were getting this. I mean, how could they have? It's just that they just kept going. The thing was operating at such a high level that there was weirdly pressure on them. <laughs> we're doing a rankings later and JJ's trying to look at my rankings. <laughs> Why so, so, uh, you guys were taping this on Saturday. You guys played, uh, Portland last night and you won and Zion looked good. Yeah. He's like, the team, did you, you're, you're coming. I mean, people forget how few games you've played with a healthy group. And we'll talk about this with Drew. When, Since when our 13 game losing streak, we're 18 and 10. We have a, I would call it a favorable schedule. If, if you can call it that, I mean, you have to start to play NBA teams and NBA players, but yeah. I think if, you know, you're looking at BPI, all that stuff, whatever, strength of schedule, uh, index, you know, we're, we're, we're one of the three or four, you know, easiest or favorable, what most favorable schedules left. Um, so we have a chance. Yep. We have a chance. We're four games back as of today in the last column to Memphis. So we couple, have a chance. So a couple we're playing And Warriors. we have them two more times. So we, we have a chance. Yep. We have a chance. All right, let's do these scandals. You want to set yeah, it up? So I, this, this Houston Astros cheating scandal Cra- just a crazy scandal that won't go away it will not go away no and, and, and we're not i'm i we're, i don't want to talk about it too much but I, we just had this idea like let's talk about let's do a, a rankings of sports cheating scandals now let's qualify it this is just strictly cheating not a sports scandal yes so not a not a, not a bad thing that happened by somebody in the sports world so right. no oj michael vick anything like that yeah. this is just cheating scandals I had a so a Pete Rose. You could just do a power rankings for baseball. just baseball. Baseball is the, I'm, I'm fascinated why why there's so many more cheaters in baseball than anything else. We're gonna we're gonna throw the Pete Rose one out. I'm I'm gonna throw. Why are you throwing it out? Because he did he he didn't cheat. He just bet on his own games. Did he cheat? I would I would make the argument that you just told me before well, we started no, recording. I don't think you should throw it out. I think it's a close call because the the problem with with Pete Rose is. Piro's claimed he bet on himself, but mm-hmm. the question would be, if you bet on yourself, is that really cheating? You're just, but if, if he, obviously if he did the opposite and he bet against himself, then it would be cheating. And so you, we just don't know. So you want me to go first? Yeah, you go first. Okay. Tell me your five. All right. My fifth one is steroids, yeah. um, which we had to have on here. Here's my steroids hot take. With, with somebody like Barry Bonds, and I'm not saying this is because we're in San Francisco, I don't have that big of a problem with it. Barry Bonds was a Hall of Famer before he did this. Barry Bonds is an insane athlete, one of the best athletes in any sport ever. I think it's a I think it's a it's a huge I mean they they broke the rules and they should be punished accordingly. But I also think like he had to they, these guys had to hit the ball, you know? So I, there were a, also pitchers that were Using steroids and H- yeah, H- but we're H- talking H- we're talking, talking about McGuire, Sosa, okay. Bonds, ninety eight. I, I kind of I'll, I'll say this is one of mine as well, but I kind of throw it all in there. The whole sort of steroid era. I'm including you think like it's still happening the biogenesis like w- that I think was yeah, like 2011 A-Rod. or 13, whenever that was with A Rod. You think it's still happening? Do I think in baseball the steroids? Is- I'm sh- I, I think there's probably performance users of PEDs in every professional sport. Number four, <laughs> uh, Tyson fighting Hollyfield. Did he cheat? That's cheating to me. How did they, I would say that that's I would say that that's a cheating. Lose, did he lose? He, it? Cheating has nothing to do with winning. He tried. He, he tried and failed. I think that I think that biting your opponent's ear 
almost ripping the ear off of his head is a form of cheating. So that's number four. Okay. Number three, another baseball one, Black Sox, which I think the Black Sox 1919, Chicago White Sox throwing the World Series. That That is sort of like the quintessential ultimate cheating scandal, which is sort of people are making the comp to the Astros now. I don't know if it's a one-to-one comparison, but... I want to go... I want to talk about this for a second because I spent a lot of time on Wikipedia today. <laughs> reading about the Chicago the Black Sox. From Portland, reading about the Chicago Black Sox. So this was the Chicago White Sox. So they, these guys, they won the World Series in 1917. And then this is the 1919 World Series and they're playing the Cincinnati Reds. And apparently there were eight guys that had this little deal that they were going to throw the series in exchange for essentially like five grand each from uh, a gambling syndicate was basically what but, happened. And like sort of like the mafia. Like it's unclear what the yeah. mafia connection was, but there was some sort of mafia connection. Right. So th- this is a tricky one to call it cheating because <laughs> they lost and they did succeed in in losing and throwing the series. To a little background, I learned this. I I did, so the owners at so there's a whole history of owner collusion in baseball, and the owners at the time would not allow you. You 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 could not like once you signed a contract, you were basically you the team owned you, and you couldn't even if your contract ran out, you couldn't like go play for another team. You weren't allowed in baseball. They, they all agreed. So so they weren't getting paid. So the the, the incentive for these guys was just to earn a little bit of coin. This is a question I have for you. What does winning or losing have to do with cheating? Well, so like the, Astros, the definition the of Astros cheating lost, is, to, get, is Ast- to do something in a dishonest way to gain an advantage. That is the definition y- y- yes, of cheating. I also Googled y- that today. Yes, that is the definition <laughs> of cheating, but it doesn't have to result in an actual win, i.e. the Astros lost to the Nationals in the World Series this year, but right. it doesn't make the cheating any less shitty. Right. But I guess what's tricky about this one is they intentionally tried to gain a disadvantage. Yeah. They the did pro- the opposite it's like of the producers. Like they yeah. tried to yes. have the show yeah. tank. And yeah. they still so here's the other, the other thing I want to talk about. So Shoeless Joe Jackson. Who was the, was got he the, the ringleader of it? Or he just no, was no, the, no. He was so the he's, the, the, he's the biggest name. So third highest career batting average in Major League history after yeah. I think Ty Cobb and Roger Hornsby. He batted 375 for the series. Hit the only home run. 30 balls were hit to him. No errors. And in the fifth inning of one game, he tried to throw a guy out at home on a single to left field. The runner was on second. And the first baseman cut it, or the third baseman cut it off because the catcher was a cheater and told him to cut it off. And the guy scored and they won 2-0 or they lost 2-0. And somehow he got thrown into this. He never was any at any of the meetings. He, and baseball has essentially blacklisted him from the Hall of Fame. And not, he, since not only until get, his death in 1951, the guy is like vehemently denying these charges. Not only did he get thrown into it, he's the, if you ask anybody on the street about the Chicago Black Sox, you cannot find one person who can name one other player involved. It's only Shoeless Joe Jackson. I spent so you think, 45 minutes you think on Shulis the Wikipedia Jackson page. Was the biggest I, can't name, of anybody. I can't name one other player. <laughs> that was it. What a, it's such a kind of weirdly tragic story. It really is. It's like uh, it's like Bucky Dent a little bit. Okay, like so, this guy's, I, so far, I've got two, two of your five. So okay. what's your number two? My number two is a weird one. Ooh. This one might not count, but I had to put it on here. Did you follow the scandal last year of all of those people paying to get their kids into college? 
yeah. varsity blues, like yeah, a, like yeah. Felicity Huffman and all yeah. of that. Uh, it's a sports scandal. USC water polo coach <laughs> faking <laughs> faking made up players. I just think that is up there for greatest cheating sports no, sports cheating scandals no, ever. It's not. That was a it was a multi sport, multi state, federal investigation. Oh, there were players being made man. up in water polo, soccer. Tennis, male tennis, okay. female tennis. The sports part was, I think the word is ancillary. Is that correct? Is that is that the sports part? It ancillary, was really about- But there was a sports connection. <laughs> it was barely a sports connection. <laughs> All right, so that's my number two. My number one, which is going to, which is why I disagree with your thing about winning, okay. is Tanya Harding. Oh, Tanya Harding is like the definition. Okay. If anyone doesn't know the story of Tanya Harding, very good uh, ice skater who- basically arranged for Nancy Kerrigan, who was her chief rival, was it in 1994, basically to be beat up by a, a one of her friend, her husband's... Bernie Sanders. Uh, Bernie won. In Nevada. But to this point, Tanya Harding didn't... She did this, and it didn't result in any success for her, even before they knew she was involved, because it wasn't clear right away. She wasn't implicated right away. It took a little bit of time, but she didn't win anything after the fact. Did she, she end up she going did. to the Olympics? Was she on? I think she, no. I think she, she fell was apart. at the U.S. Quality. I think she uh, fell apart okay. yeah. separately of this. Great story and a great movie, I Tanya, that came out a couple years ago about this. Uh, yeah, and also it reaffirms my stance that Margot Robbie is a phenomenal actress. In Bombshell, did you watch Bombshell? I haven't seen Bombshell. Oh. I have no denial about her being phenomenal, and she's also phenomenal in Wolf of Wall Street. All right, you're up. I think my number one is actually. The, I think one of the greatest cheating stories ever that not many people know about, and I didn't know about it till today. Wait, why are you skipping the number one, though? Because so, you, you had four of mine. Oh, so you had Tanya? Yeah. So the only one you didn't have was Varsity Blues. Right, because okay. it's not sports. <laughs> <laughs> that should have been number one. That's a legit scandal. Okay, what's uh, your number one? There was, a, there was a woman named Rosie Vivas. She was Never a she her. was a Cuban American woman. So she participated in um, the nineteen eighty Boston Marathon, and she was declared the winner in the nineteen seventy nine New York Marathon. During the marathon, there was this freelance writer who went on record saying that she was on the subway with Rosie during the oh, race. I've heard about this story. <laughs> so then in nineteen eighty, this is a good number one. <laughs> so and then in nineteen eighty, she wins the Boston Marathon. And it comes out What's later, her What's her Rosie name? Vivas, it comes out later that she was stationed about a mile from the finish line. And as the runners approached, she snuck onto the course and finished the race and won the race. And there's these great pictures of her at the finish line of her this like incredible. leaning on, on people, like looking exhausted. She ran a mile. Look, she's on the cops. It's she's unbelievable. leaning on both these two cops. Oh my God. What a legend. Yeah. Absolute legend. <laughs> that, that is, is just, a, that is a strong that is number one. Blatant cheating. That's a strong number blatant one. Blatant cheating. Blatant cheating. And she almost got away with it. Yeah. So she could have gotten away with it if she hadn't gone into the second race. If she right. had just won once right. and, and never done it again, she would have gotten away with it. I want it. We should, I should, so the Astros was my other one. The Astros are just top five for me. Yes. I should say that. What do you think are, the punishment should be? Um, you know, it's a great question. I think there should be probably more punishment towards players who they knowingly participated in this scheme, right? Yeah. Did you see the thing with Altuve? Um, the video of him after he hit the walk-off against Chapman? 
where he's holding his he's holding his jersey, and he says, "Don't rip my jersey off." Yeah, it's because he had a uh, he, he, had ta- he said he had a tattoo, <laughs> he had a tattoo on his collarbone. And you're like, that, so let's see the tattoo, <laughs> and they won't, they won't, he won't yeah, show the tattoo. There's a lot of suspicious things happening. Yeah, the other uh, the other one I think that should be mentioned for any NFL fan that hates the Patriots, Spygate. Of course. Yeah. Spygate, Deflategate. Yeah. Con- all of it. Everything. Just a history Constantly. of let me controversy. Ask you, let me ask you an asterisk question, though. I was thinking yeah. about this. You've been in, I don't know, 12 locker 12 like high level locker rooms. Maybe is that, is that exaggeration? How many locker rooms have you been in? Like we're, oh. Like, like I'd te- say starting Teams with, that have a chance to win. Yeah. But just, I mean, even just like a professional locker room. Like if Why you, are you saying 12? I don't know. 12, I don't know where I came up with that number, but you've been in a bunch. You've been in a yeah. bunch of different situations. Yeah. I've been in um, and, in fifteen locker rooms. Okay, so twelve fourteen seasons yeah. plus the, the Milwaukee. Twelve wasn't that yeah. far off. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, if you see somebody cheating, if you see one of your teammates cheating, mm-hmm. what is your initial thought process when you see it happen? Are you immediately like, I'm going to go to them and be and say, stop it? Are you saying like specifically? And I know it's not with, a one to one banging on trash cans. Are you, some, am I in the Astros lot? Are you? I'm sort of asking both if you were in that case, but then also just in general, because part of I, what I'm asking is like, yeah. you just have to worry about yourself. You know, you're a professional. Yeah. As long as you're not doing it, you know, it's, it's something that is, and I think this is one of the things that someone that some of the guys in the Astros are saying now is they're like, well, we weren't involved in this. I, I'm not sure I believe that. Or even if they weren't involved, you know, they knew. And it's like, how much should they, how much should somebody be blamed if they're aware of something happening? The trash can banging was pretty loud. It'd be hard not to be aware of this. Yeah. At some point, like after a few years, you'd probably be like, hey, why does that guy bang on the trash can once or twice? (laughs) It's also, what I'm kind of amazed that is it took this long to get out. And that's one of the things which is really a bad look for baseball. I feel like everybody knew in baseball. And then somebody finally like, it was Fiers or so, who was the guy? Fiers, yeah, yeah, who yeah, was on yeah. the he was on the team, and then he, and then I saw David Ortiz uh, came out and just called him a snitch. Baseball's weird with this kind of thing because they have these weird unwritten rules, and even even now the Astros players are like worried about getting plunked because of this and everything like that. And the whole thing is just sort of bizarre. It's just like don't don't do that. You're not going to get hit. One more scandal I should mention uh, in the mid 1980s. The commissioner of baseball went to the owners and basically told them to collude and keep contracts to three years for positional players, two years for pitchers, and not he had to personally approve any contract offered. So you had like MVPs and all stars signing one year bullshit deals. Why is it always baseball? And this is what led this is, is it, so the, and then there was a severance paid out in like 92. 90 or 92 of $280 million that MLB had to pay the players. And this is ultimately what led to the 94 labor strike, which I knew I had no idea all of that Crazy. contributed to that. Crazy. Let's get to some Twitter yeah. questions we some before we get ones. to get to Drew. We got some weird ones. Jacob Turner said, if you had to get a face tattoo instead mm. of a sleeve, what would it be? I'm oddly intrigued by neck tattoos. Like I think, I think I would I could see you with a neck tattoo. Yeah, I think I, I like neck tattoos. I, I don't. I'm actually kind of amazed at that. <laughs> That's like a not between like, sophomore and junior year of Duke. Just get it. And then not like full on Jordan Clarkson. I have nothing wrong with his neck tattoos. Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not there yet in terms of my intrigue. But like a David Beckham, like circa 2015, like a couple little neck the, tattoos. The problem you would have with it, Beckham can pull it off. 
because oh, he can pull anything he off. can pull anything off yeah and the and his haircut and the way his yeah. face is shaped Ugh. it doesn't matter it doesn't gorgeous. matter but you, like no one else has that <laughs> so if you had a neck there's ta- a few guys if, in the world that have had, it if you had a neck tattoo it would be it would be very you would be very kind of like edging on the line of like white supremacist Ooh, you would be. Well, I'm going to edge away from that line. I'm going to head the opposite there, direction there, guy. There would be a thing where if someone saw you on the street and they didn't recognize you yeah. and you had a neck tattoo. Who's the guy? Uh, who was the guy? Richard Spencer. Yeah, your that boy. Is, Duke. <laughs> no, that's Stephen Miller. And he's not Richard my boy. Richard Spencer also went to Duke. Don't tell me that. Are you serious? Yeah. I don't think so. Yes, Anyways, Richard I'm, Spencer had I'm the, had the right fade, had like the, t- like the, yeah, the, the classic haircut, yeah. like fade with the, the side part and yeah, like the, the, the hard yeah, side the, part. Yeah, the alt-right haircut. Yeah, the alt-right haircut. I stopped doing that haircut. Duke because, University, because, 2005, 2007. I stopped doing that because of Richard Spencer. That fucking guy. This <laughs> is the guy. Yeah. Wait, so what's the, what would your face tattoo be? What would be my face tattoo be? I think it would... Um, Teardrops? No, no. I, I probably um, like latitudes. Latitudes. Oh, that's not so bad. Yeah, like little tiny, tiny, really micro digits, like maybe of where my, my yeah. children were born, like right underneath my eye. <laughs> so it just looks like a wart. <laughs> Just get really bad. Just going right on the side. How'd you of your get cheek? that scar on your eye? <laughs> no, that's a tattoo. Paul Fearing says, "What's the uh, strangest pregame superstition you've ever heard of?" I feel like everybody has routines. Well, some people probably think your routine is strange. I was actually thinking last night. I wish that there was like a camera on me, not for not for other people to watch, just so like thirty years from now, I could rewatch my warm up routine. And make fun of myself. You know, there is and a just way say, we can just put a camera on. You. <laughs> what a weirdo. <laughs> take, we can just do this tomorrow. It's not exactly like a, uh, a tough undertaking. I kind of do it with like stretching, I guess, and like with, with my shoulder stuff. But it's almost like a nervous tick. Yeah. But like the Nomar Garcia Para stuff or like Rafael Nadal, how he like picks his wedgie. Well, did and, you ever hear, like, did you ever see uh, Any Given Sunday? Um. I did, but like, well, like the Jamie Foxx, the character would throw up before every game. I don't yeah. know. Like that was his thing. And so, I mean, obviously it's a movie. There's, there's guys that do yeah, that. Yeah, but there's things like that yeah. where. There's like weird stuff you do. Like I have to eat. There's these bolt energy like cubes. That it's, you have to eat. Yeah, I had to eat five of them and I have to split the bag with Frank Jackson. Like that's my weird one this year. Like one of us will grab the bag and and then we just like eat our five and then give the how other did, person How the did five. you decide on Frank? Well, here's what happened. We were the only two people eating the Bolt Energy Cubes, and one bag of ten is a lot of sugar. Yeah, so that's we, a lot. So we, when we realized that, like twenty games into the season, that we both were doing this, we said, "Let's be economical with the sugar intake." But what happens if? What happens if like Frank <laughs> and is, we'll split it? What happens if Frank is hurt or I'll just eat half the bag. So just half the I'll bag. just eat half the bag. Just send him a photo of the other half. <laughs> This is for you, man. Last night we messed up and we both opened the bag separately. (laughs) And so then I got back back into, you know, I got back into my locker at halftime and there was five of those cubes left. And it was like, it took everything in my willpower not not to to eat those five cubes. They're so delicious. This is an interesting question. Connor wrote in, how does the league train players for the large influx of wealth coming into the league? That's a great question, Connor. In my time in the NBA, the um, Players Association, our union, has done an increasingly 
good job of educating players starting when they first get in the NBA. The programs available to us, um, whether it's real estate investing, startup investing, financial wealth management, um, they can help you sort of find financial advisors. There's a lot of things they're doing now to be more proactive about this. And look, I think the other part of this is like guys are going to make over the, you know, this, this generation of players is going to make an insane amount of money. And so if you, it's really, I, I don't know, I'm not, maybe this sounds terrible, but it's really hard to blow 300 million. Well, you have to be like, like, like Mike Tyson, yeah. you have to be aggressively buying like tigers. You, one off. It has to be like in your, but part of it is, I think yeah. one, one, uh, big problem and it's not just in sports but this is a big problem in music as well are, are things like private jets mm-hmm. and things like that like you can spend maybe not 300 million but you can spend a lot of money on things like that in a year and once you get used to it like yeah to, i just i just about, priced out a brand new global express 6000 it was like 67 million so <laughs> i passed <laughs> <laughs> you see the tag and you're like maybe this is no not, maybe this, this is not this is not for me <laughs> no i'm i did not do that do you think that, there's anything obviously. the league should be doing that they're not? Uh, I think there should be more oversight on financial advisors. I mean, what happened to to Duncan and Garnett yeah. is such a shame. To work that hard and and to to earn that and sort of have that and count on that yeah. for the rest of your life and then have it be gone because some guy cheated it is just, it's the worst thing in the world. Yeah. I can't crazy. even imagine. Um, I like this question a lot. Zach wrote in, a current players only Starting five, all NBA, dark alley team. Ooh. Aaron Baines. Ooh. Maybe. Yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd put him in there. That's you a good one. You have to have Pat in there, right? Everly? Pat, PJ. Pat might be like number Marcus one. Marcus Smart. Pat might be number one pick. <laughs> yeah, Pat, PJ, Marcus Smart. I'll throw Baines in there. Who else? Morris is coming off the bench because you can't pick one over the other. <laughs> yeah. the two, both Morris guys. <laughs> Is there any? Were there any? What is this Jimmy Butler, TJ Warren beef going to be like on March twelfth or whenever? Whenever it is, it's coming up. The game's coming coming up. Well, we're going to have him on the podcast before then, so we can get a little. We can get a little preview. Is Jimmy on this list? He might be. I wouldn't want to run into Jimmy in a dark alley. Is there anyone who's like a who's like a a low key dark alley guy? Like he doesn't necessarily get into shit with anybody or anything like that, but you just. Oh, I thought. Oh, what about James? Oh, I forgot about James Johnson. Is he like? Well, he's like fourth a MMA fight black <laughs> belt taekwondo. Yeah, I or think something. that he just is straight up just don't fight that guy. It doesn't matter yeah, where you are. I, I definitely. So let's let's remove the Morris twins. We can have them as sixth so and Baines, seventh men Baines, coming off the bench. James, Smart, Beverly, yeah, and PJ and PJ. Yeah, okay, that's a good list. Someone wrote in, the Running Pie Company wrote in, can you explain how sneaker sneakers work for non-stars? It's mm. a great question. Yeah, hey, I'm interested. But I don't have my own sh- signature shoe, obviously. Because well, how many guys in the league actually have their own shoe? Like 20? Um, like, let's probably, yeah, probably. It's if you be- count like the the leaning guys and, and yeah. Anta. And- but it's become, a, it's become a, a significantly smaller group. I think over the last couple of years. Yeah, it's probably Nike, not even 20 now that Yeah, I think Nike's about it. not really doing very many. Jordan so basically, how it works now is Nike and Adidas give a bunch of, we'll call it resources, to um, four to six guys that are actually the guys that are moving product, i.e. the LeBrons, Kyrie, Giannis, 
Harden, et cetera. And then everybody else, basically, you're either like praying for a merch account or praying for a merch plus some bonuses. Yeah. Um, and we, I, they, they'll sign guys. You, like when you're but the most money I made, actually, I take that back. I, I made decent money as a rookie because when you're coming out, they're sort of signing you and betting on hopefully you blow up. But like with Donovan Mitchell, like his contract was so little when he first came out first and then he signed. had his rookie year, they yeah. ripped up his contract. I mean, good on them. They ripped up his contract, did a signature shoe, gave him a new deal. Um, but yeah, so like a merch account to be clear is like you get X amount of product every year. This is not necessarily sneakers. This is the, to play. And this is like, yeah, I'm with Adidas. So like, I want to get some boosts or some gear or get my family stuff. I think the other day, like I ordered like six pairs of, of Dame Lillard's for, our trainers, two boys who are playing AAU now, so yeah. they, they needed some shoes. So like stuff it, like that. Is it weird? Have you seen? Because I've I, mean, I see this just watching when guys are wearing like someone will be wearing KDs and playing against KD. Yeah, I mean, last night I was wearing Damian Lillard shoe. <laughs> I mean, we were, we, I've worn them all season. <laughs> we played them four times. So and you're just kind of it's kinda, in the back of my mind. I'm looking, not gonna lie. It's kind of looking down. It's in like, the back of like, my yeah, mind. Man, and then, and then for him, I'm sure, sure he's like these. He's like, I shoes. just bought yeah. dinner. I just bought dinner off of you uh, wearing my shoes tonight. Oh, now we're so now we're joined by. <laughs> It's a very professional very operation. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Ever yeah, since yeah. Tommy came before, it's very informal. All right, we're now joined by my New Orleans Pelican teammate, Drew Holiday. Hey. My favorite teammate on Thanks, the Pelicans. Man. I mean Thanks, that. man. He actually has said that on the yeah, show am before. Am I really? That's an honor. Yeah, it's an honor, bro. It's like, it wasn't even close. You just said it. It's like, who do you like to <laughs> Drew? <laughs> There's Drew. <laughs> And everybody else. Sure. Well, Frank Jackson, you share the. There's the with. adult and everyone else. <laughs> no, but Frank's like a kid version. I feel like he's. A, I feel like he's a mixture of us. Has Frank always sort of? I don't want to say he follows you around, but he's always. Has he always in the three years you've been teammates? Has he always just done what you've done? I don't know if it was upbringing or maybe I just. I think I latched onto him first. Honestly, like good kid. Obviously, <laughs> just hanging out with him, talking to him, like great kid. Yeah, he's he was kind of a threat, bro. Like <laughs> same build, we kind of had the same situation in college. Uh, like kind of one and done. We we're both in, like both got hurt, went through the same situation. Then I'm like, man, this dude has a freaking forty inch vertical. Wait, so he's, hold on. So he's hell, a so. threat. So you perceived him as a threat. So that's why you latched <laughs> on. <to him. laughs> I'm like, hey, man, God. keep your enemies closer. No, he's, all uh, this stuff that people say about Drew is <laughs> way more calculating than I realized. No, but Frank was like, but I, honestly, I guess I, I tell him all the time that he was like, he's my replacement. Like, like he's the one after me. Like once they kick me out of here, Frank's gonna Frank's gonna take over. But. That's a conversation for another day. Did, did you have somebody when you got in the league who was like that for you? Um, there was Lou Will. Actually, at first, I'm not even sure Lou Will liked me because I came in and I feel like maybe I was a threat, but he wanted to be like the starting point guard, which I mean, he was like the next one up, came out of high school. He'd been in Philly for like what, four or five years before I got there. And then he started starting, but after um, probably around Thanksgiving, he broke his jaw and it got wired shut and I got a chance to play. And since then, I was a starter. And I felt like he hated me. But he didn't hate me. So I was like, all right, 
this is <laughs> this is sweet. Like I, I I definitely thought that I was like, I, yeah, I, I thought he hated me, but he's like, nah, I have like utmost respect for you. So, is he, have either of you guys read a separate piece? Uh, I have. You have. Yeah. Okay. This is literally the plot of a separate piece. It's just these perceived <laughs> threats that we have right. in like small group environments, right. and it's. I think it's actually incredibly prevalent in the NBA. Oh yeah. I do it consciously and subconsciously all the time. It's constantly occurring. <laughs> yeah. Make- no, no, it may yeah. Yeah. No, I think you hit it spot on. Really <laughs> honest. I feel like too it's like I th- it's almost I in a way I believe it's a little healthy because you're you wa- like I enjoy the feeling of being uncomfortable and I feel like if I get comfortable and I'm like the fat cat then I'm going to be out of a job. Yeah. Like somebody will actually take, take my over. spot. Yeah, 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 for sure. But then I feel like nowadays though, there's guys who get comfortable because they know their spot's not going to be taken. Like, and, and that's just given to them by the authorities, the authorities, <laughs> the authorities. But man, I, I feel like for the guys who are like real dogs or, or guys that really want to like better themselves or, or however you want to put it, yeah, there there has to be somewhat of a threat, like somebody to push you. Do you think it's like changed at all since you came into the league, or it's like I'm like curious whether the internet or anything like that has has makes it worse Everything or better? Everything has changed. Everything has changed since I've been into the league. I mean, like I feel like coming in, it was it was it was tougher. There was like this ranking. Uh, you started off like as a rookie. You were actually a rookie, and there were duties that you had to do and. uh you didn't. You weren't like insubordinate, and if you're insubordinate, there were consequences, and sometimes physical. <laughs> He's not lying. And then now it's just kind of like Turkaloo beat me up a couple of times. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Well, I was a pansy. Like <laughs> I, I did everything. Like Elton Brand told me to do. Willie Green told me to do. Uh, Andre Godala told me to do. Like whatever they told me to do, I was doing it. Four o'clock in the morning. There, whatever you need. Bam. What were they asking you to do at four o'clock? In the morning? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I want to know. There was one the time. rubber run. Oh yeah, rubber runs. Rubber, rubber runs. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I had to do those. The gold what cards. Run? Gold cards. The gold cards. The the, the magnums. <laughs> <laughs> For those that are unclear, what we're talking about, we're talking about uh, condoms. Yes, yes. <laughs> Sometimes people need protection. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> better safe than sorry. Yeah, I mean and. Back in the day, though, they had the lady that came and talked to us and gave us like the big bag. Huge bag. So the NBPA would hire this health professional to come and talk to the teams. And she would bring a giant bag of about 150 condoms. And and guess who helped them? (laughs) The rookie. (laughs) So the same brand or different brands? Yeah, so the the rookie's responsibility was to bring that bag on every every road road trip. Yeah, bro, every road trip. (laughs) Oh, that's incredible. So my backpack. But like, think of the conversation you have. Like, let's say you have a girl. Yes, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Let's say you have a girl and it's like, all right, why do you have a million condoms in your backpack? Like, you look sneaky. You look suspicious. Yeah, so it was a... those um Elton Brand actually in in New Orleans I don't even know why I remember this it was probably like one in the morning but across the street I think from the Ritz uh off Canal there's like a chicken wing place and at one in the morning he called me and told me to go get like a 20 piece whatever it was from from this from the spot and he like gave me a hundred dollars and I was like Bro, whatever you need, I got you. <laughs> Just for like this, this I mean, $10 thing of chicken wings, like give me $100. But it was like at one in the morning, super random. 
Uh, it's weird. That's what I remember. I I messed up today. Our hotel in Portland was like four blocks away from Blue Star Donuts. And oh, I know, like, because I'm a self sufficient human being, I was like, I'll just walk to Blue Star and get myself a donut. But then when I got on the bus, I had a lot of eyes on the donut. And I realized Frank Jackson has even said it. He was like, you, you should have had the rookies go get like a couple dozen. And it didn't cross my mind because it's just not part of the culture anymore. It's not. It really isn't. And people talk about, especially Jay Hart, always talking about like, come on, vets, like y'all got to discipline these young kids, but it's really not relevant anymore. Yeah. When do you think it switched? Was there a year? When I got to LA, for me, when I got to LA, like CJ Wilcox was the best rookie in my, that was like my ninth or 10th year. He was like the best rookie I ever saw. He just did everything that you asked. You didn't have to ever like harm him right. in any way, <laughs> discipline him, whatever you threaten, want to say, yeah. threaten him. He just did what he was supposed to do. And like, that was the last time that I remember having a rookie. So that was like 2015, maybe 2014, 2015. It's the last time I remember having like a good rook. I will say Nikhil's a good rook. Nikhil was a good rook. Um, it's been a while. Like it's 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 been a while since there's been like bad rookies. I won't say we have bad rookies. No, we have below average. Below <laughs> average, yeah, below average. So it's like kind of middle of the road. You can't really be mad at them. Yeah, but then you're kind of like, all right, you can step it up a little bit. Like it is really annoying though when you're like you have to do it, and it's sort of the whole thing with like not not defending or condoning frat hazing or anything like that but the whole thing where you're like oh this happened to me this happened to me this happened to me and then all of a sudden you're like no you can't do this anymore yeah there there was never that level of hazing the worst thing that happened to me was they one day after practice they asked me to apologize to the team uh i was late to a practice so they said you gotta sit in front of the team and you've gotta explain yourself and apologize and i said okay and i was fully dressed and i sat in the chair and as soon as i sat in the chair like three guys grabbed me and they they used duct tape and they duct taped me to the chair and then they stuck me in the shower and the water was running. It was super cold. They left it cold and they sat me in front of <laughs> the cold water in the shower for like an hour. Everybody left practice and then like the equipment manager found me like an hour later. That's pretty bad. It's kinda like textbook hazing. What did you what did you do? <laughs> no, what did you do? I wasn't a great rookie. Were you a good rookie? I was I, again. I was a pan. Sure. Yeah, I was yeah, a great you just rookie. Did, exactly, great rookie. Great rookie. Uh, <laughs> were you, anything else were you, was it the cockiness or like what was the problem? I think I. I think in general, I just generally rubbed a lot of guys <laughs> the wrong way. <laughs> I think the problem you had is you come in with this rep, guns like, blazing, and no guns matter what, no matter what yeah. happens, they're going to be like, "Fuck that guy!" Like you're, yeah. You come in, then they hate you yeah. from day one. Yeah. There then, was a lot of that. Then they probably learned to love you. But like Keith Bogans, like he gave me such a hard time. Hey, such a hard time. He's the assistant coach with the Knicks now. Yeah, yeah. And I hadn't seen him in like probably 10 years, <laughs> literally 10 years. And I saw him the other day and I was like, man, I really appreciate you. you know? <laughs> I really appreciate you. You really brought me back down to man, earth. Man, bro, you set me straight. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. It's pretty, man. it's pretty dark. <laughs> man, you're a bad rookie, dude. That, uh, I guess man. I could see that though. That's not surprising. Humility is uh, <laughs> is, a, is a very undervalued trait, and sometimes you need to learn humility. Right. You know, it's not inherent right. to someone's personality. Right. <laughs> when did you when did you guys first meet? 
first time I met JJ was in high school, but he probably doesn't remember. Again, I tell him this all the time that my mom is his like biggest fan, even more than me. She has three kids in the NBA and JJ Reddick is, is like her man. Why? <laughs> Bro, she always loved JJ playing. She always loved JJ. And I, I don't know. I was a, growing up, I was a Carolina fan. So yeah. I, I mean, naturally, I didn't really like Duke. My brother liked Duke though. My other brother, Justin, liked Duke, but she loved JJ. And did you get the John Wooden Award? Yeah. 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 I was there. I was in high school. Yeah. So I you actually, the to, John Wooden when Award. You, you told me this a couple months ago, yeah. but I remember meeting your mother then. I right. didn't really know who. Again, I was just like, some little were, like, 15 like, year old kid. Yeah. And my mom was like boy crushing on this. I mean, that is hilarious. It's <laughs> like 55. And so, I mean, the age disparity, I'm like, mom, your husband's right here. You love this guy. You have sons that play basketball. Like, what's I was just like, what's what's just cocky on? asshole. <laughs> nah, but nah, JJ was a man though. I mean, watching JJ in, in, in college was like, Wait, did Duke recruit, recruit you? No. Did Carolina? Mm-hmm. You didn't want to leave California though? It was, I was this close to going. I feel like he was going to tell us he got paid. I feel like that, that breath. <laughs> no, no, gonna, no. He was going to explain the bag. No, that was no, that was the hardest conversation. Was telling uh, Roy Williams that I wasn't going. Interesting. Yeah, loved him. I mean, Mark, so Ty, who went instead of you? Who was the, um, who they recruit instead of you? Larry Drew. Larry Drew. Do you think anything would have been different if you had done that? Yeah, for one, I would have been a, I would have won a national championship. Well, that would have been nice. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, yeah, they won my freshman years. Freaking sucked, but uh, who that Ty Lawson, um, Tyler Hansbro was still there, Danny Green, Danny was there. Green. Marcus Skinnard was yeah, he still Marcus on the team? Was still yeah. there, yeah. Uh, he took him and Danny took me on my recruiting visit, oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Now, I had a great time, it was just too far, yeah. Did you, did you have any issues playing in school at home? Being at home, no, that was great, so that was nice because like, oh, some yeah. people want to get away, some people were like, I know, I didn't want to, no, uh. <clears throat> Not at all. I'd love being home, but basketball there wasn't the funnest for me. So, so you did the one year and just were like, that was that. <laughs> you can learn interesting things going on people's Wikipedia page. So I need you to confirm something for me. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> I was on your Wikipedia page earlier. Uh, did you and Lauren really meet because someone mistook you for Darren Collison? Is that a true story? <laughs> can you please explain <laughs> the story? So, so me and Lauren have, before I even met her, we have uh, mutual friends on the girls' basketball team, like gr- girls that I grew up with because I'm from Cali, and and um, so I'm going to see him plays. Me and Malcolm Lee going to the girls' basketball game because again, me and me and Mal are both from California, so we knew the girls. And Lauren's probably, I think she's already like two years in college, so she knew him too. But we're going to sit down in in the in the seat or whatever. Some dude comes to me, he's like. Hey, Darren Collison, can I have your autograph? And I'm like, like I stand up and everything. And I mean, I'm kind of excited. Like, yeah, you know, I'm like, sorry, man. I'm not, I'm not Darren Collison. He's like, oh, you sure? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> fool. I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not Darren Collison. And then um, I sit down and Lauren turns around and she's like, it's okay. You're cuter than Darren anyway. Mm. So then from there, I'm like, oh, okay. Hmm. But again, I had a girlfriend at the time. She had a she had a boyfriend. Uh, it wasn't until we had both left college that we started dating. That's right. Wow, that's a pretty good first meet story, though. Yeah, I know, right? Was that's Darren like, even in school then? Yeah, he was a senior. Oh, he was a senior. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, him. I don't know if you remember, like Josh Ship, Alfred Aboya. No. Who's the best athlete in the family? 
You were Lauren. My sister. Oh, my wife. Pound for pound, my yeah. wife. Pound for pound, yeah, my wife. Are you surprised the three of you guys all made it? Not really. I feel like that's surprising th- for a lot of people. I think you guys don't me. get enough credit. We were talking about this earlier. You're like the original balls. <laughs> <laughs> I, feel like I, don't actually like, I don't like to compare it to my teammates. <laughs> actually made it. <laughs> to, to just to editor's note, to be clear, that was Tommy's voice who said that. <laughs> Our story, I feel like, is similar to theirs. We all grew up doing the same thing. Me and my brother grew up playing together. We went through high school. We won three times in, in, in high school. And then we, but we kind of went separate, like in college, he went to University of Washington and there were top three, but I knew Justin needed to do like his own thing without me because all the time they always placed us together. And then my little brother, like I, we have, matter of fact, someone just sent me videos of like my little brother running around during the basketball games, shooting half court shots at like five years old. Like dude was like a, a freak. Yeah. But like we were always around basketball. Everything we did, we always did together. And just like the ball family, like it's all about family with them. And that's what it's been with us, but it's always been naturally competitive. My parents did a good job of like, it's okay for you to beat your brother and your brother to beat you or whatever. Like don't kill him. I mean, we fought all the time, but like, yeah, don't kill him. Be, be happy for him. Yeah. You know, of their success. So, um, no, it, I, it, I feel like everybody always thinks that like, oh my gosh, this is so, um, we're kind of like, Nah, like just, we literally grew up doing the same thing. And it just progressed. It was like you went from this to this and this, and it's like a natural Yeah, and fit we all love basketball though. Like we all wanted to get better all the time. And if I ended up kind of moving ahead, Justin would move ahead with me or yeah. vice versa. But then my little brother is kind of like he saw both of us. So I feel like he kind of had uh kind of like a pathway or 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 uh a visual on how to make it to this point. So We'll see if he sticks, though. Do you feel like there was pressure on Aaron? Yeah, a lot of pressure. The most out of all of us. For me, I felt like it was easy, obviously, being the first and nobody really knowing who I am. Uh, Justin went undrafted, but he was still, like, very athletic, and I was already, like, making a name for myself, I think, once he once he got into the league. <clears throat> but Aaron, everybody pretty much already had a plan for him. Like, oh, he's already going to UCLA. And I'll talk to him all the time, like, do you want to go here? And he's like, look, I'm just, I want to get recruited like everybody else. Like, I like UConn. I like Duke. I like all these different places, but everybody just already assumes I'm going to UCLA. Is there any, um, I don't want to say resentment, but like, is there (laughs) jealousy that you're the best? Do you ever feel that from your brothers? Uh, No. Like, do y'all talk shit? I, I'm honestly, I, I I know your family Me, and you guys right, root for each other, obviously, right, but like, right. is there any ever like, uh, no, me and my older brother, because we're 14 months apart, he's like my best friend. And you would think that there would be resentment for one. He's the oldest. And I feel like you kind of have like that, like the oldest child complex. Like yeah. I'm supposed to be the best, blah, blah, blah. But he's literally always been my biggest supporter ever since we we're little. If he is somewhat jealous, he's doing a great job of hiding it. <laughs> I mean, it's been 29 years now, so I, I, think I can't come tell. out at this point, right? All right. Um, and then my little brother, <laughs> at some point, in a family <laughs> gathering, yeah, yeah, I guess 36, you would say all of a sudden, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess you it is. But uh, my little brother, I feel like he he's not at all. He really just wants to know everything. Like, well, how did you get here? How did you get through this? Uh, like going through not playing or even like trade talks or doing whatever because. Pretty much 
all this stuff that I've been through, like he's either going through or eventually he's going to go through, but he's never like, again, they've never shown any side of any sign of jealousy. How often do you guys talk? Almost every day. Almost every day. Yeah. That's incredible, man. Almost every day. That's incredible. Do you have like a, is it like a thread that's like ongoing, like a text thread? Mm -hmm. This is going to be weird, but there's one with just us three and there's one where we add my sister too. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not to like make her pop out or anything but like I'm in the middle of five I've got my we've got like a family text right. the family it's called right. the family and then there's like subtext right. beyond that right. you know group like little right. clips right, cool. I'm, I'm the, the one, one of five kids Sweet. All right. <laughs> yeah. yeah I still did love you, you though did you no, play no, any no, other sports uh, played football played baseball uh, first sport I think we actually played was soccer um, I used to live in Ruston, Louisiana a little it's where Louisiana Tech is that was like one of the main sports out there was soccer. Stopped that once I moved back to California and then played baseball, football, basketball. And then stopped playing football my freshman year. We went undefeated in basketball my freshman year. And I was like, oh. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a wrap from here. Actually, we, we did this with Zach uh, Levine a couple weeks ago and he was saying he played baseball. And like he, it felt like he probably could have made it Oh, he should have done it. You know what I mean? Like there's certain, it's like there's that certain, there's that like crossroads and you're kind of like. No, he definitely could have made it. I still have dreams (laughs) to play professional baseball. I really do. And I literally have, I have dreams. You should have done it. I'm a, I'm a two sport Deion Sanders style. You should have done it. And I'll be, I'll be, just be like, you could have made 384 two weeks in the season. I know. Honestly, it'd be a good look for the Astros right now to give you a tryout. <laughs> you, and, you and Josh, twins. I want to ask you about a time in your career. We've talked about this before, but you're uh, you're a young player. You sign an extension before your fourth year with Philly. Then you make the all-star team that year. And then you get traded <laughs> like that. First of all, how did you find out you were getting traded and what was going through your mind? Uh, my best friend went to this little school called Vanguard in, um, in California, and they just had a basketball camp. And we just finished the basketball camp, and we're on our way to the Dodger game. So Vanguard is in uh, Costa Mesa, and then we're driving all the way back to Dodger Stadium because, you know, Dodgers are my team. Another reason why I don't really like the Astros right now. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we're, like, going through – we just passed LAX and I get a call, not from my agent, but from Sam Hinky. Mm. And I don't even know why I picked up the phone, but oh, it's because, so my friends were uh, looking at the draft and you know, I don't really pay attention to the draft like that, but they're looking at the draft. Sam Hinky calls me and I'm like, it's a weird hey, time to get called. So weird. Yeah. So weird. I'm like, all right, cool. Uh, Sam's like, yeah, I've never like, sorry, I've never got to meet you, but, 10, I don't know, like a 30 second conversation. We're trading you for the six pick and you're going, you're going to New Orleans. And I'm just kind of like, all right, thanks. And then we just hang up. And then it's me, my best friend, I think my cousin and somebody else. And we're like, I just got traded. They're like, nah, <laughs> like, nah, you're joking. And I'm like, no, bro. I just got traded in New Orleans. And then like two seconds later, Drew Holiday traded New Orleans for Nerlens Noel. Jeez, that was that was the night of the draft. That was the night of the draft. Mm -hmm. Jeez, man! Did you have any New Orleans experience besides 
Well, how far was how far was the town in Louisiana from New Orleans? From four New hours. Four so and did hours. you know the city at all before you got nah, there? No, not like that. Not like that. But it's a it's a pretty great place. Okay, I thought it I thought it sucked before I lived there. And now that I live there, it's like one of the coolest cities. Like when you visited on the road. I mean, yeah, I stayed in my room. I thought it was super dirty. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Bourbon Street, you stayed right Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But elegant decay. Elegant decay. Okay. (laughs) No, that's a great way to put it. But the food is like, I've never had a bad meal in New Orleans ever. It's crazy. I actually don't, I don't, I mean, I'm not a professional athlete, but you aren't. I'm not. (laughs) I don't know if you realized, but I don't understand how you guys live there and don't balloon up because the food is insane you literally do not have a bad meal and it's all just big like there's no oatmeal with no portion control (laughs) (laughs) right there's a sauce on everything there's a gravier sauce on everything fried everything's fried i have a one quick uh, draft night trade story so this is 2016 i've just come off my best year with the clippers and i'm in my backyard it's the night of the draft and Obviously, being on the West Coast, it's like the time change is different, right? So I didn't even know the draft was going on. It's like 4.30 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon. I'm getting ready to, to grill out. We're all listening to music out the backyard. I have some friends in town. We're Chelsea and I are going the next day to Big Sur to celebrate our anniversary. So somebody says something like, oh, the, dra- the draft's going on. So I'm like, oh. So I went inside, turned the TV on, went back outside. So now I know the draft's going on, right? And all of a sudden, I see a call from Doc Rivers. And I'm like, I probably should answer this. But I'm thinking he's going to say, you know, hey, we're thinking about drafting so-and-so. What do you think of this guy, right? Which was a common thing. Doc would do that sort of thing. So I'm like, all right. So, hey, Doc, what's up? (laughs) Hey, we just traded you to Memphis for Brandon Wright and a first-round pick. And then he just starts laughing. (laughs) I was like, Doc, what the fuck are you talking about? And he's like, no, I'm just kidding. We didn't oh trade you. I, apparently a Mark Stein, like fake account had oh, tweet. You know how people fall for that oh my with gosh, like the bro. fake Woj accounts, the fake Mark Stein. I'm like, this, oh, that's why, why would that, you do you're that? You're messing with somebody's like, I didn't know that there was a health. Yeah. <laughs> would you do that? Yeah. That's not cool. I mean, <laughs> it's funny to, yeah, I guess it's funny to talk about now, but at the time. I'm oh like, no, no. Oh, and at the time I I I, I got traded. Lauren was looking for houses to buy in uh in, in Philly. Philly, like physically in Philly? in Philly. She was in Philly, looking for houses. That's wild. Did you have a like a the next time you played them like a chip? I mean, yeah. The first time I played them though was in New Orleans, and I think we smacked them by like twenty. But then the second time we played them, I was hurt in Philly, so I never got to play. I I think it took me a couple years to play in Philly because I was hurt for like two or three years straight. But by the time I like came back from my injury, it was over with like the, the steam. Yeah, it was over. Yeah, it, was yeah, just, it was over with the rage. Philly, the Philly crowd is nothing like it. Interesting. There's nothing like We're it. Passionate. There's, there's, no, there's nothing like it. There's nothing, there's nothing like it. I've been booed so many times. You were the start of the process. I was. You were the start. I was. I was the start. You were like the beginning of the process. Was, was trading, was getting rid of Drew Holiday was the start of the process. And then there was one point where they're trying to like bring me back. Yeah. <laughs> to be a part of the, it's like, no, I don't, no, I don't think that that works. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the start of the process and then I'm the end of it. No, it's okay. How hard was going through your injury woes specifically like with your 
you know, surgery and coming back from that mentally, physically. Yeah, I'd never been through anything like that before. Like, that was the first time I'd actually been hurt. Just kind of thinking, like, is my career over? Uh, will I be the same when I come back? So I have a rod. I have a, tit- a titanium rod in my leg from the bottom of my knee to the top of my ankle. It's never going anywhere. I'm never getting that out. The process of all that was, like, freaked me out. Like, I, I was not sure if I was going to be the same ever again. What is that like to hear a doctor say, we need to put a rod in your leg? I was like, hell no. But my <laughs> wife's like, <laughs> me and my dad were like, no. Like, you're strong enough. We will take whatever type of, like, obviously natural supplements to, like, I mean, any, I mean, calcium for your bones. We can, I mean, we can, we can do this. My wife's like, my wife and my mom, like, eh, you might want to think about this. Like you have a you have a crack in your shin, and then the next year, Paul George, his accident happened. I was like, thank God. Oh, and Julius Randall, first game rookie year. That was that was a very hard time. And then I had like a reaction to it the next year. So then I was out the next year too. Jeez, <laughs> yeah, it took me a couple years. You get, to get over if that. you go through a metal detector, is it? Uh, there's only been one, and it was in India. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> Do you think about it? Is it ever like, are you ever conscious of the fact that you have a rod in your leg? Not anymore. At yeah. first, going through metal detectors and stuff, I'm like, yeah, yeah. it's going to go off. They always give me a, like a medical yeah. card. That no, I, I mean, just in life, not just in metal detectors. No, no, I mean, but, but in, no. Uh, <laughs> PTSD, you want <laughs> right. That's all I think about every time I go through a metal right. detector. Uh, no, I think, um, you know how people are like, well, you know, you can tell when it rains, when, yeah. I could, no. I could never tell when it's rain. And we, I'm in New Orleans too, and it rains all the time. It it always felt. Some people are like, "Is your is your is your right leg heavier than your left one?" I'm like, no, <laughs> it's not heavier. <laughs> I have a rod in my leg. Is it feels the same? If it feels natural. Who do you think? Who do you think the toughest dude you ever had to uh, guard was? Derrick Rose. What year? Like MV, MVP yes. MVP Derrick Rose. Yes, he had everything. Like he was quick and fast. It's not like he had like all these handles because he was so explosive. He'd yeah. go by you. And if he couldn't go by you, he'd just jump over you. Literally like one of the most forceful people I'd, I'd ever played against. It was crazy. I said, I've said this to two people in the last week, but, and I, I'm not just saying this. So, so I have said, I've said this before. I'm just not saying this because you're on the podcast, but you are the best one-on-one defender I've ever seen in my entire life. Thanks, man. It's insane. I there's this and it. there's this ongoing joke because like we'll let so like we'll be in 53 so like five is our base defense 53 is like you're switching one through three 54 would be you're switching one through four right 55 which we hardly ever do is switching <laughs> one through five but then we'll so a lot of games our game plan will be like all right we're in 53 except but. for drew <laughs> and then we'll be playing like Jokic. it'll be like 53 except for drew. drew you can switch with everybody whoever you want to switch on and the game before all-star break you switched on to Gallo and he got you with an up and under. Pissed me and off. And it's the fr- it was the first time in off. probably two or three months where you've been switched Somebody on to a me. bigger guy and they scored. He literally either steals the ball or blocks the shot. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not lying though. Like, I'm gonna take some, so I need some defensive notes from you. So th- I, talk bro, about your mentality as I a defensive player. What do you know. think it is? What do you think it is? I have no clue. I just feel like guys that are taller than me. I really, they always think that they're stronger automatically, right? I mean, you're, you're bigger. That means you're, or I guess you're taller. I, I guess they think that that means you're stronger. 
but they're not. So if I'm lower than you, I feel like well, physics, if, if I'm lower than you, there's no way that you can move me. And big guys just think that they can move me, but they can't move me. It's your quads. <laughs> <laughs> I do have really big quads. I, do have, I have really big quads. I feel like at that point, like once they try to like move me or whatever, they always put the ball in front of you. Like you can't see it or you're not going to try to steal it. So right when they do that, I, yeah, I'll take that, please. When you're on the ball with a like a, a a guard like Damian Lillard, let's say, or like D Rose in his prime or whatever, what are you looking at? Because you always seem to <clears throat> guess right. Yeah, I think it's I think it's tendencies. Really? So knowing tendencies, like I guess if you name any player, uh, I'll say Anthony because I mean Anthony's my guy. I know Anthony lo- loves his left hand. I know that he can turn over any shoulder, but he's probably going to dribble with his left any chance he gets. Well, I know that I'm quicker than Anthony, so I can persuade him to go to his left, but still beat him. Yeah. Beat him there. That's the interesting part to me that I've noticed. You're persuading people to go the way they want to go, but you're still able to you're, either you're still get going in front the way I want you or to go. knock the ball away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're still going you're going the way you want to go, but you're also going the way I want to go. It's the most Jedi mind shit I've ever <laughs> That's, that's crazy. Think can, about that for can, a second. Can you see it in their he eyes? He goes against the scouting report. Just to like force this guy to his right. And Drew would be like, I'm gonna give this guy his left because I know he wants his left. <laughs> that sounds really weird. You, now that you say it, you, that's really, that is it what you It kind of makes do. sense, right? It makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I, wow. I've actually never talked about this before. Hmm. When did you, when did you feel like you mastered it? What point in the league? I would say right away. I can remember a time, in, in like in Or, when I was in Orlando, I remember we played y'all. I want to say it was the over, was it the overtime game? No. Yeah. yeah. It was the overtime game in Orlando. And you didn't guard me that game, but you got switched on to me one time. And there was, you had no business, like (laughs) you had no business closing out on me and then still staying in front of me. Like it just was like an impossible closeout. I don't, and you did it and you knocked it. You didn't steal the ball from me to be clear. You knocked (laughs) the ball away, but I recovered it. (laughs) And I was like, fuck man. I've always liked defense. And I feel like people don't like, I like defense just as much as offense. So I guess if you, if you think of it that way, then. <laughs> but it's, I'm not going to lie, it's so much harder. Like, I'm playing fr- defense. It's so freaking tiring all the time. And then let's say you're playing against like KD, the dude's seven feet. Like, what the hell are you supposed to do? Or, or let's say when KD was with uh, Golden State, they used to have me switch from KD to Clay to Steph back to KD. When you guys game. played him in the playoffs, who'd you start on? Steph? You start you start on KD. KD, yeah. And so you just were going back and forth. Pretty much. Pretty much. And I still had the score. But I love it now. We have JJ Reddick. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like I don't need to score. I just need to play defense <laughs> and then give him the ball. Set a screen. I tell him all the time, I'm like, dude, I'm the best screener. Like I'll get you open with the screen. I promise you. Set a screen, have JJ come off, shoot the ball. There's times where he doesn't even look at the rim. Did you see the game the other day or before All-Star break where he got fouled and the, he just like the, the one hand the MJ one? split the legs? Oh, yeah, yeah, Wasn't yeah. Wasn't that Chicago? It was in Chicago, yeah. Bro, that was sweet. That, I'm like, oh, yeah. All, all you have to do is the give weirdest the thing, The weirdest thing is the off-balance. The off-balance shots don't make any sense. They really don't. There's a lot of calculating involved. 
but it is amazing to like to be on that side. Like it was crazy when like you'd go against it and it'd piss you off, but like to be happy for you to be doing it, I'm freaking psyched <laughs> like every time. You know what the one thing with the off balance shots from the fan perspective is, is it you just they realize because you're watching it and you're like, okay, that's not going in. There's no chance it's going in. Right. He's bending like this, yeah. da, da, da. and then it goes in once. Okay, that's a fluke. After like the third time, like when you do it like three times in the first quarter, they're like, okay, this is the difference between NBA shooters. No, you mean and, JJ Redick? Yes. <laughs> no, but the NBA <laughs> shooters but, but but they, because they then expect every time right. that it's going to go in. Right. And when it doesn't go in, like this was like when you guys played the Lakers, the game where they got super hot when you played them in January, but you had a good game. And all the Laker fans, every time we touched the ball, was like, no, 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 don't let him do it. Because no matter where you are, it's going in. It's going in. That's it. I never think he's going to miss. There's a, I, I think it's from Lethal Weapon, but there's this scene, uh, Todd Wright, who's now with the Clippers, but he was the head strength coach in Philly with me for two years. He, uh, he sent me this clip. It's like Mel Gibson and Danny Glover talking and Mel Gibson's talking about his time in um, the army. And he says something along the lines of this. He talks about this sniper shot that he made. And he says like, there's only like four or five people in the world that can make that shot. And that's literally what I'm thinking to myself as these, like, I'm like, there's like maybe four guys in the world. Maybe. Are they all hall of famers? <laughs> well, there's guys that can take them. I mean, that's <laughs> <laughs> no, Steph is, I mean, look, Steph and Clay to me are the two greatest ever hall of famers, bro. Greatest ever best shooters ever. And then there's like a next tier of guys. And like, I'm probably, I'd probably say I'm like somewhere in the bottom of that tier. In terms of active guys? Or no, guys like just like all time. All time, yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely numbers Wait, wise. What tier? The second tier. Second tier. But that can, that's a big group of guys. I would, actually, I'd probably say Ray, Ray and Reggie are the next tier. And then in Corver, I'd put Corver there. Do you think, Those Clay, the, you think Clay's better than Ray? Clay, yeah. Clay's, when it's all said and done. Those two guys are going to have, they're going to be one and two, all time made. They kind of have they, to be. Clay's never shot under 40% in his career. Think about that. And he's made over 200, like eight straight, seven straight seasons, eight straight seasons, whatever it is. Probably 90% without dribbling. Without dribbling. No, it's the craziest thing I've ever seen. I'm still thinking about you having to switch between the three of them. Oh, no, that was like a natural thing. That was like a joke for a minute. Like, Oh, put it's your just, on him. It's just impossible, though. Oh, yeah. It's just oh, impossible. Yeah. No, no matter how no, good you, you are, what are you supposed to do? Nothing. That's also another reason why they're so good. You feel like you should be first team all defense every year? I thought I should have been last you year. You weren't last year? Second team. Have you been first team? Mm-hmm. The year before that. The year before that. That was the year you guys beat the Blazers in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that's, 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 that's a weird team to me. Because some of it is reputation... Some of it is the eye test. Some of it is advanced stats, like the year Marcus right. All won right. Defensive Player of the Year. That was right. like the classic advanced stat thing. Yeah. How would you like? What What do you think is what is the measurement to you for like being first team all defense? I think just because I play, it's it's the eye test and the ability to go up against that person and how you feel when you play against that person, like Kawhi. Every time we played him, for some reason, would get a steal on me in a crucial time every time we played. Two minutes left in the game, still. Go down and dunk. Pat's a dog. Like, he's somebody that, like, 
Like, oh, all right, well, I'm going to have to fight tonight. Like, it's not going to be an easy night. You know you know what I mean? There's other guys, I feel like, who kind of get that recognition. It's kind of like, eh, they don't really bother me. Wait, we were talking about this earlier. So, the dark alley. <laughs> the dark alley question. The dark alley question. So, current players only. If you do a starting five, a, a dark alley starting five, guys you would not want to run into in a dark alley in the league right now. Man. Uh, Montrez. Mm. We left him off. Pat would have to be on there. Scary dude. Yeah, we said. I said, I said <laughs> scary we said dude. Number one pick. Until, until, like I feel like until you know, like until you get to know him. Yeah, I, I, but, like, I know eye, Pat, right. but like if you don't know him, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh no, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's wild. I don't. I mean, who was the, I so mean, like, had, who was I said James Johnson because he's like Cause fourth he's a, degree black belt taekwondo. JJ. Oh my gosh, I've seen him do the little ninja joint, like the little. Whatever it is, Tony yeah. whatever, that is the craziest thing I've ever seen. He's too big and too strong to be moving to like be that. Moving like that. Yeah. I mean, just his lower body. We like, said we said Marcus Jay, Smart. Marcus Smart, PJ, Baines. Baines is for sure on there. Yeah. Baines is for we were, sure. We were on wondering there. whether there's a white guy on there. Baines is the only <laughs> yeah. one. Baines is the only white guy that makes sense. Kevin Love? No. no. <laughs> what about Steven Adams? Uh, I don't think he's like a gentle giant. He is, but what if you didn't know? Baines him? is dirty as fuck. He <laughs> love it. Oh. Like you want him on your team to For stream, sure. but you hate him. Yeah, you, you hate, hate him. him. Yeah. The other yeah. the other people we had, but we couldn't. They have to come off the bench of the Morrises. Because I, was, can't, I almost pick, named him. I almost you, named him. But you can't pick one, so they just right. got to be six. No, and no, seven they're men. both. They they both do the same thing. Like yeah. if one's thrown down, they're both thrown down no matter what. The Clippers have like four of these guys. They do. Yeah, they do. That's not even talking. I mean, Kawhi is not. You just don't he's want to run to Kawhi he's anywhere. A robot. Yeah. No, he's a robot. He's not from here. <laughs> he's not from. He's here. not from here. No, he's not from Are here. there any other Twitter questions that we should get to? What do you eat? What's your? Let's do the board on the road. Okay. Great. You ask it. You last time I asked this question, you got mad at me. When I asked Zach the board on the road, <laughs> why did I get mad? Because <laughs> you wanted to do it. Yeah, we're not, you, I'm not. We're not going to competing over questions, you guy. <laughs> Oh man, what do you? What's your which? So bored on the road. What do you do when you're bored on the road? Or have you done anything random lately when you're bored on the road? Go to the movies by myself. Mm. But I feel like uh, like I feel like it's not as uncommon as people. What's think. the best? What's the so best? We talked about this. Recently? I think we talked about this with Zach yeah. going to the movies by or by yourself or yeah, going to dinner Zach by yourself. One, he goes to the movies by himself all the time, and he's yeah. wondering if it was weird. And we we're like, no, it's it's bro, the best. It is the best. Yeah. And thanks to Jalil, now I eat. Popcorn, mixing some M and M's, and I have a great time. Hell I, yeah! Most of the time, I probably get a coke. What's the best thing you've seen recently? Oh, besides Frozen Two, because I have a three year old. She wants to watch it all the time. Um, you mean like in the movies or just in general? In the movies. Recently, I haven't been in a while, but I really liked the Joker. Interesting. Joker movie. Joker was controversial. It was super dark. Yeah, it's. The, did you see Parasite? I haven't. Parasite's wild. Did you see it too? Huh? Did you see the parasites? No, parasites parasite. yeah. wild. I think the subtitles are, are, are that's that's what's stopping me. So my, that was my <laughs> right. thought. That was my thought. I was I kind of got dragged. I went with other people and I kind of got dragged kicking and screaming, even though everyone said it was so good. And then you're in it for like ten minutes, and you just get you you realize why. Really? It's like on a different level from anything else that's come out. I think that's my that, that that's going to be my movie on on our road trip back from or our flight back from LA. I want to find the guy when we, who we asked this question to, who's like, just comes up with something super rando. Like, well, when I'm bored on the road, I, I go find the, the, the best ice cream shop. 
something like that. Well, you're because everybody got like he just goes, he just gets on infatuation and just goes to the best, which is a normal thing to do. It's like I just go, go, I just go find the best possible restaurant and eat by myself. All the best food, but not just restaurant donuts. Yeah, because I know people don't want to go to the same places I want to go. Like, dude, our first road trip this year, (laughs) Drew and I went with Jaha to this place in Toronto, which is really good. It was so good, bro. It was, it was so, so good. good. And it's a uh, it Italian Boca, place. Boca. Yeah, yeah, Italian place. And uh, like, Ja like reads the menu and he, he I, I don't know if he didn't understand the menu. I, don't like, I can't know. do this. It's just, I can't do this. And he left. So it's just me and Drew. Great meal. It was um, so good. But that was such a turnoff for me. I'm like, well, I'm not inviting Ja fucking anywhere anymore. Like, that was, it's. He got his one invite for the year. But I told him, I'm like, dude, you like, you missed out on a good meal. Like, if you don't know the menu, yeah. ask JJ. He's obviously been here. And if not, he's freaking Italian, dude. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's, he's Italian. He just knows food. <laughs> People are weird with food, though. People are weird with food. People, like, you don't that know. That is true. That it's is a true. little bit why it's nice to go, like, one of the reasons why it's nice to go to the movies by yourself is you don't have to be dependent on the other people liking it right because if say you love frozen two say you love the joker is actually a good example a lot of people would hate the joker right and if you're with two other people and they hate it and they're sulking the whole time and like we want to leave you're like i want to stay leave and it's yeah there's such a great point it's the same thing with food because all like there's that natural evolution of an nba player when you first get in the league you want to go to a steakhouse and like I'm way past that point so in my life. So overstate. Thank you. Yeah, and it's just like I'm I'm not going to do that. So <laughs> yeah. like you end up and I actually went to I think I maybe mentioned this but I went to this place the Great Canary in yeah. Memphis with Nikhil and like I think it was like a great experience for him to like try something other than He's the one guy the of the young guys on our team that will like do, do, do stuff like that. Why do so many NBA players love Tao? That's to me is, is beyond it fa- me. it's beyond me. It is it it is a, the Tao in LA, LA has a thousand good restaurants and no disrespect to Tao at all. Tao, the food is fine. It's not a bad. And the same thing with Catch. Yeah. When I not, was there, not like Catch had just opened. Yeah, not a bad meal. Going, it's not it's like fine. you can't, you can order a bunch once. of stuff. I've only been to Catch once. It's, it's good. good. Yeah, it's, it's good, good food. But, yeah. but Tao is a, you are guaranteed to, if you go at a time when there are NBA teams in town, and especially over the summer, if you go, any night you go, you'll see yeah. three or four different it was actually funny. So I was in Chicago for all star and there's a towel right in the middle of everything over there. And it was like, it's, it might as well be the United center. It's like people just going in and out. Da, da, da. It's weird. It's a, that's why that's exactly why. Like, you want to be like, seen because they want to be, be seen. Yeah. Once somebody like once something has that stigma or this is the place the the athletes go, everybody wants to go there. And then regular, sorry, I don't mean to call them regular people, but non-athletes. <laughs> want to go there too. <laughs> Don't be pretentious. They're called the G-pop, <laughs> the general population. <laughs> Sorry, the, G- the G-pop. What'd you do for All-Star? My brothers and our family, we all went to Miami. And hung nice. out. It was cool. Did you watch any of this stuff or no? no? I saw the intros to the world versus USA uh, game. And then you turned it off. Yeah. Or actually, I think I went to the pool. The game was pretty entertaining. I heard it was the, the actual game. game. Yeah, yeah. I, heard, I heard it was, like which people, is cool. People were overhyping it a little bit, but it was entertaining. It was just they were playing; they were just playing for real, versus like the last every other game where they're just no one's doing anything. And I, I, I think that's why it was over overhyped. All right, Drew, I, we really appreciate the time. Um, before I let you go, I 
I have to tell you, so our, our kids are in the same preschool class yeah. in New Orleans and you and I basically run on the same schedule. You yeah. know, we, we work together. So like if I'm in town, you're in town. Mm-hmm. If I'm on the road, you're on the road. If I have practice, you have practice. And I have not seen you at drop off <laughs> the entire year. I also What's haven't it? seen you. It's crazy, right? I think you, so, so when do you drop your kids off? When, like when do you drop Kyle? Eight-ish. Are you, you run a little later black, than that? bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm black, bro. It's more like an 830. You know what I'm saying? Can't get my daughter out the house. I always get my hopes up too. Like whenever I'm, I know that he runs late. I, I know this. So like I always get my hopes up a little bit. Like we'll get out, of, like we normally get out of the house at like 730. We always take Knox first. And then we, Kai and JT, uh, Drew's daughter is in the same, they're in the same class. So like if we get out of the house at like 742 or 741, I'm like, Oh, this could be the day. This could be the day. day. It's going to be the last no, day. It's going to be the last day. I've not day. seen him once. <laughs> I, we, did you not go to the Mardi Gras parade? When was oh, that? Oh, no, because you guys were you guys were still we're gone. Right, yeah, we're yeah, gone. You didn't we're come back. You hadn't we're come back from Miami yet. Right. Yeah. It was great. Kai, Kai was, was it? Oh, he was the leader. He was Kai the leader. was the, the he was leader. leader. He was the leader of the Mardi Gras parade. Mm. Taking after, after his father. I know. Our fearless leader. All right, Drew. Thanks a lot, bud. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you for listening. As always, uh, thank you to our guest, Drew Holiday. If you guys have any questions, comments, you can uh, leave them on my Instagram account, uh, JJ Reddick, or on Tommy's Instagram account, T Alter, or on Twitter for The Ringer or Tommy's Twitter, which also is T Alter. As always, appreciate you guys listening. We'll be back with another episode very soon.